Welcome to the ATG podcast with me, knees behind toes guy. <laughs> I'm joined by the ATG student. <laughs> and today we're covering a new breed of coach. So we get a lot of different coaching questions. We're just going to have fun going back and forth. Uh, Keegan, what, you know, what does it mean to you? You know, the ATG system is one thing, but it really it rests on a new breed of coach. Like we have a different idea, a different standard. It's not something forced, but this is what we're passionate about. What, what is an ATG coach? How is that a new breed of coach? When I saw what you were doing, I was just desperate for you to teach it to other coaches and you weren't really desperate to teach it to other coaches. <laughs> Cause I was like, man, this is what I've been looking for for, for quite a while this is a better approach. Like this goes towards athletes. Like I love Louis Simmons. I love Charles Poliquin. I love, you know, Ido Portal, like these other systems, but none of them were like for athletes. None of them were what I was really, you know, what I really needed as a kid, what I really wanted. Um, and so when I saw this, I'm like, yeah, this is what people need. This is, you know, you need to show this to coaches. And you were like, well, I want to coach my 12 year old self. So that my 12 year old self, if, if right. there is one out there, he would never have to go through this, right? So my thing, I guess, your 12-year-old self, my thing is like my 18-year-old self who went to university, who was kind of lost, got bad habits like drinking habits and kind of lost my way in life completely um, through college. What could I have done instead of that? Because I kind of wanted to learn about training and there wasn't really a path. And honestly, I've still felt like that's the case. Even through my time with Real Movement, I still kind of felt like I can't design this coaches need something more systematic than what I'm able to put together. And then I saw you've, okay, you've got this system, like the world needs to see this. And I told you that like way before we were working together, like you've solved something really important here. Like this is like a, like a cracked code, a Holy grail um, in the way you've put things together. So yeah, for me, it was like how, how, you know, if you're not going to do it, <laughs> you were trying to help me to do it. And uh you know, I guess you're still trying to help me to do it. Like that's, that's where we're at now. Yeah. But I, I believe in that so strongly of, I just have an old school way of looking at life of like, okay, if I, you know, if I plant the, you know, the apple trees, I'm just going to focus on doing that the best I can, you know, and let, let my neighbor, you know, plant the carrots and do the best that he, he or she can. And then, together we'll, we'll have a, you know, a more bountiful harvest than both of us doing a shit job at both of them. You know, it's just what, you know, what, and I believe in that, like you said, like I still base every business decision. What would the 12 year old me, you know, have wanted? And so, yeah, I, I love just making it as low price I can to actually be coached. Meanwhile, you're trying to do the exact same thing to train coaches. Now, in terms of a new breed of coach, I think there's already precedence for this. And I think it can be summed up in two words, being it. Okay, so what's the, what is the purpose of ATG? You said it best, human bulletproofing engineer. Let's look at other great coaches and systems. Look at Louis Simmons with Westside. If you want to get stronger and you go there, you're going to get stronger because those guys are living it. He's being it. He fixed his back. He drove his squad in deadly. He's being it. Okay, Ido Portal, same thing. Those guys are phenomenal. Look at some of these Chinese Olympic weightlifting coaches. These guys are in their 60s and they're still doing, you know, rock bottom squats like with numbers that should be impossible. So 
they're all being it, but who's just being what we needed, you know, that, that athletic and bulletproofing, right? There isn't a system of coaches. Well, there is now with ATG where we're just being it, meaning, oh, basketball is your sport. You're a coach. You should have a 40 inch vertical. You should be able to play again. I've played against every NBA player that I've trained. I've won more than I've lost. And people may think that's ridiculous, but that's the, that's the standard I'm pushing myself to as a coach. Any, is to any recently? It. No, not, not since Corona. That, yeah. that was the lot, you know, so I've been, you know, being here in LA. How many I are we have, talking there roughly? Maybe about 10 guys, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of varying levels. Yeah, yeah. And and all those guys had their days where they won and but I won more than I lost and we play games to 50. You can't just luck out, you know, on 10 points or something. But <laughs> um, You're playing horse, right? <laughs> hardcore one-on-one. <laughs> um, and you know, so it it's being and it doesn't mean that I have to everyone starts somewhere, right? So yeah. I happen to have a lot of skill to begin with, but you know, I'm watching these guys footage and noticing what dunks they're doing and then in person i'm literally showing them here's the next dunk that you're not doing in the game that you would get even more dunks and then here i am at 6-1 and i'm able to drive in and, and demonstrate it that's the concept if i was 60 years old it would be you know maybe it wouldn't be that maybe at 60 maybe it would be that i could hold a dodgeball and run up to the rim and dunk now i think i'll be better than that at 60 but the point is at 60 that would still be really impressive. So it doesn't mean everyone has to be like for you. That's not I, a bad I, consolation prize. Exactly. But <laughs> I, I, I watched you there as a coach when we, when we trained together for a month or two, I watched you getting more athletic, getting faster, jumping higher, being, I mean, talk about bulletproof. You were going it's like hardcore, like, you know, you were training. It was a great like environment to be. You know, it was yeah. really powerful, and I, I really got on well with Justin. Justin Gray, you remember? He he, he was there, like Deep. amazing human, just Deep. training hard and finding next level. Like, um, yeah, it's great to be in that environment. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is actually already a proven, workable concept. It doesn't mean that every single coach at Westside has to be the world record holder in that lift, but it, it just means that that Louis the, was like. Yeah. yeah, Louis top 10 all the way into his like, you know, 60s. Exactly. Like. exactly. So that's the standard they're pushing themselves to. If you look yeah. at Igor Portal and his top practitioners, these guys are, they can do the splits in a one-arm channel. And, and so we actually have a lot in common with all these groups and the Chinese Olympic weightlifters. The only difference would be West side, the movement-based training, Olympic weightlifting. Those are more specialist activities where you we're using tools from all those so that a rugby player a basketball player a, a dad who wants to like like how happy do you think it's gonna how happy do you think i'm gonna be throwing down dunks like you know at the court with my kid as he grows up you know what i mean like that's that's gonna be insane or my i mean you've seen my mom I, she's gotten faster in her 60s it's absurd you know she's gonna be able to play with my kid so so those are you know, in ATG, maybe we don't have a, a measurable for everyone, but we kind of have a system that could help everyone. We have powerlifters using it. We just had a guy squat a thousand pounds for the first time. We have movement-based practitioners using it to get a little more detailed into those, you know, joint protection by using loads. We have Olympic weightlifters doing it, same thing to potentiate the lift. So how about, how about your body? We can kind of go back and forth on, on yeah. some of our goals here, and we can even talk about different guys within our system and just you know, yeah. really keep breaking down 
what that means. So my, my number one point was live it. Yours was be it. <laughs> I wrote them down, like just while we're chatting, like just while we're preparing for Same this thing. podcast. So, yeah. exactly. so, and, and, and that was like one of the first things that you said. So, I mean, it's one thing to actually get the performance. Like you hold a really high standard, you know, in the ATG, in the, in the ATG pulse, the coaches group, um, you, you're talking about like, you want to throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and coach a bunch of other players to do that. If you want to be a pitching coach, like that's a crazy high standard and I love it. And it's, it's great. I came to coaching at 30 in rugby, having never really played rugby and I was never going to really be that guy. I wasn't going to be smashing guys out on the field. I don't really like like bashing my body against another human. Like I just, so it did, I didn't yeah. have that as then much. Really but what I did have, yeah. yeah, it's different for different sports. And, and just because you lived basketball doesn't mean you can't inspire a soccer player where you haven't really lived that or a weightlifter yeah. or a powerlifter like you are, you know, so there is carryover with this stuff. But I think what's really important is like that a coach is on an important journey for themselves and, you know, at least as you're becoming an elite coach, maybe there's a point where you can get lazy on that after, you, you know, you've been successful for a number of years. Like some guys might decide to do that. The best guys don't from, from all that list and all the guys that inspire us the most, uh, even with Klokov, you know, he's still, he's still training there. All these guys are still going hard at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, just to, to be inspired by your own journey, I think is, is really, really powerful. I think you've jumped to my fifth point, which is like be a career coach and know a sport or the sport, you know, you know, basketball, and that helps you at least relate to all other athletes. Um, so you're going to attract more basketball, yep. but you're going to, you know, other people are going to get you in other sports as well. And they're going to know, like, you know, sport and you like to compete and those sorts of things. Like, I think that is a huge thing. And I know, you know, right. I, I know was, a lot I of coaches. Good at training. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Coaches want to recruit coaches, you know, if guys want to go down the sporting route, they want to recruit coaches who know their sport and they're always going to encourage the coach to like learn more about the sport. So if you want to work with rugby, like go coach, coach an eight-year-old rugby team and like learn as much as you can about like the feeling of, of those things, like watch, study the elite film. But I think it's also good. Like I, I think some of your superpower probably comes from, you know, the, the good things that you've done as a coach like the coaching, the shooting and those sorts of things. Like people probably, some people probably don't know that about you. Like you were going to those shooting camps and then you ended up like being one of the contributors to that. I, I think that's something that coaches should go through as well. Like to, to get into a skill refinement in, in some other sport and maybe weightlifting, you don't need to, but in a lot of sports, I think it's really healthy to, to get into the actual skill side of something and to really know the sport really well. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I, we consider that like the X factor, you know, is, is something skill-based in there as well. So it could be really hard to predict for, you know, for different coaches, oh, what, you know, what skill-based thing should you pursue? But at least just by opening your eyes up to that, you know, I, I actually, funny enough that you mentioned that, um, I just started a new YouTube channel just so that it wouldn't clog things up. Um, and because not everyone plays basketball, but I just started a basketball YouTube channel. The first video drops today Exciting. called how to get your first, yeah, called how to get your first dunk. So, uh, and then next week I'm going to cover next week. It'll be titled like, if you can bounce a ball, you can get world-class dribbling. Um, and I'm going to show like, I've made it like a step, you know, I'm obsessed with measurable step-by-step -step action. So I turned dunking into a measurable step-by-step. -step. Okay. You achieve this, then this, then it. And so I have the same thing with dribbling. I do agree. It's some kind of X factor. I don't think we 
we've analyzed enough, you know, how it works or, or why it helps. But I just think that if there's a, if there's a disconnect between you and your athletes in any kind of way, I think it could reduce the reality and the results for them, you know? So like with, with basketball players, um, you know, I knew off the bat how much of a beating our knees were going through, but now that makes me that much better at helping a football player. And I can observe the differences and I can observe that they have more, they don't have to run quite as many miles. They have to have more muscle mass, you know? So at least by living, if you really live one thing, it is going to make you super effective, you know, at helping people in other sports. I could look at, I could look at tennis and go, okay, we have the same agility demands, miles of cutting that we have in basketball. Plus we have the demands of overuse injuries on the shoulder, elbow, and wrist. You see what I mean? So like I can, I can apply these correlates, but if I never played a sport or pursued a sport and I'm just thinking, oh, wow, this guy's complaining about tennis elbow. He probably needs to do more push-ups. You see, like there can just be like a disconnect there. You know what I mean? So I do think, it, and, and you did sum it up best. It's just that it's about the coach's journey. It's not about where you are as a coach. It's about your journey and that you're holding yourself accountable. I saw uh, an Instagram post from a, a, a coach who I think has more followers than I do on Instagram. And he was saying how his back has been hurting. So he's like switched to belt squats. So, and, and there's nothing in the post about, you know, what he's doing to attack this problem. And I think that's a problem. And I'm saying that, you know, if this guy were to ever be aware of who I was talking about, I'm saying that as a friend, you can help more people by figuring out that problem rather than by telling people, Hey, thank goodness. I have this $5,000 belt squat machine since my back is acting up. That's, that's the status quo right now for trainers. Like right now it's normal and accepted that you can be a trainer and you don't have to be a product of the product. That's normal. Yeah. But at some point, you know, like we've got 60 year old coaches in the community and whatnot as well. And not all the damage is going to be undone, you know, and that doesn't mean that that 60 year old coach can't help the next generation. Like all the experiences that he's been through, you know, coach Stuart Venable, like he's a super nice guy. And uh, like, yeah, he's got a presentation on it on my YouTube channel that has like all these comments of like, this guy's a legend. Um, and he's having a great impact on school kids because of all those challenges that he's lived. Like some of the damage is not going to be undone. It's really cool that like from where you got to, you, you know, you've undone so much and got to where you got to coaches are going to have different journeys with that. Like not every coach is going to get back to their best. If they're a young coach and they're coming up and they're healthy, then no excuses, you know, like take it, take it, take it as far as you, you can. can do a flat ground split squat. You can help the 20 year olds with knee pain who can't factually like you 100%. definitely exact. So I, I would almost say for anyone older feeling like, Oh man, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm 60. I'm not going to be able to play one-on-one, you know, it's even better with each passing year as a coach, it actually gets, you actually have more of a chance to be a product of the product. So yeah. the more ability, the more pain-free ability you have as you age, that process, that journey as you age is just going to make you a beast at helping anybody younger than you. But to wait, to wait until you're perfect to start or to decide to, that that would be a mistake, you know, like that's the thing that I, and I do hear that from coaches. Like I need to fix all this stuff and then I'll start my coach's journey, but they're already PTs and they're already teaching a system that they know doesn't really work. 
And to me, that's that's not you know that's not cool. Like you don't have to wait; just be on the journey of getting things better. Commit to that. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't mean you can't start helping other people. Yeah, I immediately start as soon as I had something helped. So within a week of seeing your some of your videos, actually about ten years ago, where you're doing knees over toes, and keep in mind. The reason I'm knees over toes, guys, because I was prohibited from knees over toes. So sometimes people would be like, like, no one ever told me not to go knees over toes. Like, thank God for you, because every single trainer I ever had up to that point, no one trained knees over toes. So that's why I was such a drastic, bad case. Anyways, you're the first person I saw videos strictly teaching that the idea was to get stronger with your knees over toes within, I swear, within one week, and I was just going to the gym, like experimenting like crazy, you know, within one week, I called my best friend from high school. I went, dude, the game has changed. Like I, I had, cause he couldn't. So he, he had back issues. He had broken his back in one of those, um, you know, in like the, in like teen lifting, they can just get these really yeah. raw, raw, put too much weight, 50 people crammed around one guy. Uh, yeah. you know, anyways, he, he actually broke his back. He was in a, um, he was in one of these, like, you know, you could see him walking around school. He had this like Batman vest on for like a year. Point is I called him. I was like, dude, we can be, we can be fixed. So I immediately, I immediately started training him because I knew, okay, if my knees could feel change in a week, his back could feel change too. And we bulletproofed his ass up and he ended up being able to compete again and all this stuff. He was never, he was never supposed to be able to squat or deadlift again or all this stuff or compete. Anyways. You should have dropped me a DM. That was, uh, <laughs> I was dropped, very shy. I, yeah. I was very shy. I wasn't on social media, but the point is I started training people. Then every summer I was training more and more people. I had a troop of kids who would like basically go around with me to the courts, to the gym. Um, and, yeah, and cool. then even at, yeah. And then as soon as I finished college, I was writing articles and filming videos. So I had written, I had written and shot over a thousand videos and articles by the time I made my knees over toes guy account. So really, I, I, yeah, I was, what, and what, I had stupid, where were you publishing? Is that a uh, private stuff that I would, that I would print out at my gym. So at my gym, we had a wall of these, like these, uh, like, these uh it, like a wall of like cabinets for for papers and anyone could read any of my articles and you could just go grab and i would keep them you up still have date. that stuff or what? we need to get this uh, to the atg coaches i don't know it's probably on some computer you somewhere. ask your mom yeah it, it probably sucks too whatever i wrote but that's kind of how good would it be to see though <laughs> that's kind of the point is um is yep. that i was writing and i was filming and so i already had social media i was called like atg ben patrick or something with like a thousand followers and I, I just ripped, I had all this passion into the training and writing and filming, but didn't know anything about, you know, just marketing or how to connect with people. And so it was really my dad who was like, kind of like, Hey, by the way, like, I know something about this and you, you, you're an, you're a complete idiot. You know, the way you're going now, he was super nice about it, but it was kind of like, he's like, you haven't even tried to reach people. You don't. And so, th so I made, you know, I had to, so I had to come up with a name for myself that would represent, you know, uh, achieving something. So for me, it was like, if all I did was bust that myth of no knees over toes, which believe it or not, from the time I started that account three years ago to now, if you Google, can your knees go over your toes? Google now correctly says that yes, your knees can and do go over your toes. Isn't that it? And so we, we've, we've, we've uh, we got right. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes someone will comment like, man, like, you know, uh, 
you do all this work and yet, you know, people don't know about this. It's like, well, actually it's working, you know, beyond what I, yeah, actually it's working beyond what I even, you know, knew we could achieve. So the the point is that I was already, I, I just never, I just started training people, started writing, started filming, training, writing, filming, training, writing, filming. And even though I'm in LA and even though I don't have the gym and Corona and yada, yada, and having a baby, I mean, I'm training two people this weekend who are ridiculously famous. I don't talk about these things. I don't do it for money. I do it because I still have a craving within me to help people. So believe it or not, it's two dads separately. Like I just lined up my schedule and both their kids have like major physical issues, you know? And like one of the dads had six knee surgeries, long time NBA player. He doesn't want his 14 year old kid to go through the same thing. So it's like, it gives me, you know, and if you train someone like that, I have one session with a guy who played like 15 years in the NBA, made like a hundred million dollars, had six knee surgeries. His son is 14 and will likely go through similar things. That puts a lot of pressure on me. You know what I mean? That puts massive pressure on myself. So this is actually a perfect time to go into yeah. some questions we're getting. What do you do? I get one session and I've had this opportunity now with a number with top five incomes in MLB, NFL, NBA that I've had one session because my schedule just doesn't allow for me to be someone's trainer. So I said, I, you know, I get one session right off the bat. You just go from the ground up. It simplifies everything. So if we can start with, with, if you really get someone to understand reverse out knee pain, you just change their life. Then if you really get someone to understand the tibialis, you just change your life. If you really get someone to understand a knees over toes calf raise, whether on machine or not, or as we're finding out, might work better without the machine with a slant. But if you really get them to understand a knees over toes calf raise so that you actually build your soleus, you just change their life. And now they're totally warmed up and getting grooved right into the session that then based on them, I can get into whether they need a some kind of reverse step up or ATG split squat or VMO squat or all three, in which case I can teach them three sets, three sets, three sets. And then they can work on that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 sets each, which is dense. So because of zero, because of dense, it makes it really easy to actually go in one session and change somebody's life forever from that point. Now, granted, we're talking mostly people with, you know, knee problems, but because we go in that sequence, it's also easy to just go right from those to the hamstring, the back, the shoulder. So why don't you talk about, you know, you had ideas just for coaches to maybe, um, you know, you could be someone's coach every day, but with the tools we have, you kind of had some ideas of some, how someone could make a really um, efficient business model, you know, as a coach, both for the client and for your income. Think about how many dads there are out, out there like that. Like, you know, not, not all of them are ex NBA players, probably for every one of those guys that had a career and had injuries, there's like 20, 30 guys who didn't make it, got the injuries in college, got the injuries in high school, never got to play pro, exactly. but they still want better or, or for their kids. Six foot eight or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they still want better for their kids. So I think anyone listening to this should think about like, there is demand for sure everywhere in the USA, but it's growing all over the place for people who are able to teach this stuff. And you might think, well, look, it's, it's available for 50 bucks a month online. How much different is it? And think about it for this 14 year old kid when they have Ben Patrick come to their house and take him through one session that can really change their life. 
our job with ATG for coaches is to have a bunch of guys who can do that. Now, maybe you're not going to get it to that level. Maybe you are, maybe you're going to get to another level because you resonate with that person because you play soccer or whatever, where they wouldn't maybe resonate with, with, with Ben or with me. Um, Three examples in the last month that someone reported to me who was an online member, but hired a one-time consult with an, with an ATG coach, not me. They all three had the same word life-changing. They said it was a life-changing experience. So that shows that even not me, a different ATG coach in one session can give someone a life-changing experience. And that's exactly what we're working towards is like, we already have the coding done. It's just, if you've ever run a business and you're trying to do things legitimately, it can take forever with the red tape. But in terms of the actual coding, we already have it so that members could find other members who might want a training partner or coaches themselves. I say, use whatever your budget can allow. Do it yourself get hire a coach, you know, to the degree you can, like this is exponential stuff for the rest of our lives. And you mentioned the dad thing, an ATG coach could go work with the dad and teach them in a way that then the dad could train the kid, you know, and, and for the coach, you could charge a fair amount. You could charge quite a bit for your time because a lot, you know, goes into that, but because you're not having to hold their hand every day, you can actually save the person a lot of money. I would have done something like that. I wouldn't have afforded a daily coach. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what, like, I think it's, it's, it really is a good business model because a goal with ATG for coaches is to make it clear who the best coaches are at the moment there. You know, we, we don't have many endorsed coaches. We, we aren't making it a weekend thing. It's, it's going to be a two year process for a rookie coach to become an ATG coach for experienced coaches who've been training the program. There is a fast track but it's, it's not for everybody. Like we're legitimately not just going and taking people's money and saying, Hey, you can, you can go teach ATG like Ben Patrick now. Like that's, that wouldn't serve. You know, we want it to be that if you're an ATG coach, like that's a legit thing and people will travel two, three hours to come and see you because they can see, Oh, this guy's a level six. Like he's, you know, he's obviously legit. And, and, and that's, you know, that's what we want to do. I think you can build a great business around that. I think people will travel to go and see. I think, you know, you could have a great business around seeing people once a week, once a fortnight, once a month, um, charging a more premium price. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I personally would find that much more enjoyable as, as you're saying, like it's, it's a better model. Um, and especially if you have some nice equipment as well, if you have some speed gates, if you have a jump mat, if you have that sort of stuff, like, you can give them that experience of like, it's actually working. They go back super motivated to train their butt off for the next week, for the next two weeks. You know, it's uh, on that note, on that note, I would really like you to refine some of these measurements because I keep coming back to like, like, honestly, I just want to throw my air runner out because I love it so much, but not everyone's going to have one of those. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's such a tough disconnect knowing, okay, that, that thing costs $3,000. Do I keep promoting it so that more gyms have it? Or do I go myself and figure out, okay, is it best to run barefoot in grass? Is it bet, you know, is there a cheap way to time? Maybe with, you know, the, the point is, I just think I should stay on the simple stuff. And I think you should be the one to polish. What are, te- you know, what are the tests for coaches? The jump mat, we loved the jump mat. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's something that a coach should have Exactly. But, but that maybe not every single individual is going to be able to have. Not yeah. to mention, I think these testing tools do more harm than good if they're not in a coach's hands. I think that the air runner, if an individual gets an air runner and you don't have like elite Nordics and this and that, 
I think you're almost setting yourself up for failure because you're going to want to run on that thing every day to the point of potentially you know, getting a soft tissue injury. All right. So we were discussing testing. So let's break this stuff down because I think this is a good topic for coaches as well is within testing. I do think it's something coaches should have. I think we should have unique tests. For example, here's like two simple tests right off the bat. So with the air runner, just build it up to whatever you can get it going to because i find that with start tests there's so much technique going on you could pretend that you got an athlete faster but you just got him better at the test with the air runner as we've seen you can't cheat it like see how fast you can get it spinning like there's no we haven't seen anything that someone who's practiced on an air runner is able to make it go faster than someone who hasn't at least once they've done it maybe a couple times like it's that's a top end speed test in the weight room. We can improve start times even without practicing start times. And the start is very technical. So if the start is the most technical and the top end speed is the least technical, which is why almost every coach themselves can get a good start to be honest, but then very few coaches have good top end speed. Um, and that's for me actually testing, you know, other coaches. It's the same thing with the vertical jump. Most coaches get to what they think is a decent standing vertical jump but they're not, they're not elastic with a running start. They barely get higher than when they don't have a running start. So I think on the jump mat, how high can you jump? And then how high is your second jump? You see what I mean? I think that's a test right there. What's your vertical on the jump mat. And then what's your second jump. And then, and then on the air runner, how fast can you get it spinning? There's a couple simple tools for a coach. I mean, what do you think about testing? But I don't think if that's in the individual's hands, I don't know. I got the ability to dunk by training. I didn't even freaking practice dunking. And then once I could dunk, I realized that I had a lot more potential by practicing it. But the point is like, I achieved my goal off the training. I didn't need testing. Like they're a tool in the box, but I feel like I should be like really buckled in on the, on the training and then maybe use the, the testing devices, you know, kind of whatever you come up with. I feel like coaches should have the testing devices as an individual get your slam board and these kind of things. Don't worry about, you know, a $3,000 air runner, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of lot going on there. I think it's definitely a double-edged sword with the testing. I'm a huge fan of testing and collecting numbers. And it was a big part of coaching winning teams. Like I don't think I could have coached winning teams without always, you know, um, recording numbers and we basically tested something every session usually we had two or three numbers that i would record like every session all year round um and now so that's a good point yeah numbers numbers and testing we need to i think we need to clarify i think we need to not use the word testing and use the word numbers because you know i'm obsessed numbers i want to know the number on external rotation not just do three sets of 15 numbers yeah. numbers no. so yes a jump mat and an air runner would be two numbers within 20, 30 numbers. That's yeah. what we need. Numbers, not training is over here. You don't, it doesn't really matter how much weight you use on a Powell raise. It doesn't yeah. just jerk People around like with that. the band. Right. And then, yeah. oh yeah, uh, you know, do, do your leg curls, whatever. It doesn't matter if you can actually do a Nordic, which we know factually at many pro facilities, like a couple guys can do Nordics and the rest can't. If and that, they don't give a that. shit. Yeah. They don't give a shit and they just post the guys who can. Yeah. Yeah. So, you saw at ATG, could anyone who had been there a while not do a Nordic? Everyone could, you know. I was the only and, one in the gym, Ben. I was the only one in the yeah. gym. That <laughs> and, but we even made that measurable. Every single, so met, so there we go. That, that's a big aha moment for me right now is 
I'm using the term numbers. I'm no longer using the term testing, which it means the same thing. But the problem is people think of testing as yeah. one rep max bench squat deadlift, standing vertical jump, 10 meter sprint number. Uh, they think of that as testing, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. Everything, everything we're doing. I mean, yeah. It's a whole topic. Like we could definitely do a whole call about that, but you know, now that we've gone to it, like the, the idea, like getting numbers each session is a really powerful thing. And you know, most athletes really value that um, and making sure that they're progressing is a huge part of taking things to the right place. But at the same time, you need to put the pressure on execution and say, yeah, you made the lift and well done, but we're not writing that one down. We're going to record the one before because the one before looked like what I want it to look like, or the one before didn't hurt you, but you know, that, that, that sort of, you know, so that's why the coach is so important on testing day, I think. And the, sorry, that was the other thing I'm going to say is when you have like a testing day, like, which this is a mistake a lot of coaches make is like, I'm going to have this testing day at the start of the preseason. I'm going to have a testing day at the end of the preseason. And then I'll have like one mid season when we've got like a week off and you look at their data and their data for the year is just a pile of crap because eight guys didn't do it on the first time. A different eight guys didn't do the second time and a different, you know, it's like, you, you don't, you can't see anything. Like that's the worst data, you know, that, that anyone could get. Whereas if you're getting just over and over, you can see really clear trends. And, and you know, I was a huge fan. I am a huge fan of the standing counter movement jump. But you got to keep in mind, I was working in a more, uh, an even more muscle dominant sport or even more slow strength dominant sport than, than American football. Like these guys are a bit more like linemen. Like they actually push against the other guy for a significant period of time. They're not so heavy, but for me, the counter movement jump, yes, there's a skill component to it, but it told me, is there zero to five getting better? And I really do value that zero to five for, for rugby league. Now you know, check to, this out though. You know, You're on the money. You're on the money, right? So let's say we take counter movement jump, right? You're on the money, counter movement jump for rugby. In the ATG system, what would counter movement jump not rely on? Single leg standing calf raise, 25% body weight, 10 reps. A standard is something that most people can't do that most people could do, meaning that's a starting point. Like if you can't do a perfect 10 full reps with 25% of your body weight, single leg calf, you got a problem counter movement jump doesn't work that but that's okay because counter movement jump there's a number so is single leg standing calf so is tibialis 20 percent of body weight for 20 reps on the tib bar there's a number you don't use that on the counter movement jump but if you have a good counter movement jump and you do your calf and you do your tib now you're going to go out you're going to be able to decept how about this guess what else you don't use on a counter movement jump the nordic you don't use the nordic on a counter movement jump you do use the Nordic when you do a running jump. And some people debate whether you should have knee flexion on a jump. I don't debate. If I look at Michael Jordan's best jumps, if I look at Cristiano Ronaldo's best jumps, knee flexion is there. The point is Nordic applies horizontally. Nordic applies as a co-contractor with the knee. A standing counter movement jump doesn't use that. But in the ATG system, we have the Nordic down to something that's measurable. So you're fine. And guess what's the last thing? that's really obvious that you don't use an encounter movement jump that you do use when you run and jump your hip flexors. So now we have hip flexor using that monkey foot with 10% of body weight for 20 reps is tougher than it sounds with strict form. So there's like buy-in standards. Like you have to meet these to be able to actually have the right to do the counter movement jump or for your score to count, you have to be hitting these, that, that kind of mentality I think would, would, you know, Keep yeah, everything in balance. It's just better numbers because now you yeah. say, oh, I actually have a good counter movement jump, but I'm always getting hurt. 
Well, yeah. the four, I, or I have a good counter movement jump, but I'm still slow. I've trained plenty of guys like that who had a good counter movement jump, but they were still slow and they couldn't figure out why. Guess what they never had? They never had a number for their calf. They never had a number for their tibialis. They never had a number for real on the hamstring. But what's funny is you'll see some athletes will be like, oh, I did the test at the facility. They said my knee flexion was good. They, they did like a bunch of slow guys said your knee, like according to what? And then they, yeah. and then they drop like a sack of potatoes on a Nord, using the Nord board. Everyone's using this Nord board, you know, this isometric, we could probably do a whole episode about that versus the ATG system of hamstring development. Perfect example of how they're actually ruining their progress by getting too fancy. The fancier it gets farther you're getting from the truth. So with a, with a simple Nordic bench, you actually can get world-class knee flexion rather than thinking. The worst thing is thinking you do. I thought I had strong knee flexion because I could max out the leg curl machine. And then I was nowhere near doing a Nordic. And I wondered why I was still slow and I couldn't jump off one foot. I couldn't get distance jump. So, and then same thing with the hip flexor. So no slow guy I've ever trained actually was good at the four things that I just listed. You see what I mean? So there's nothing wrong with the counter movement jump. What's wrong is thinking that training is 20 exercises and testing is three exercises that's wrong no no if training is 20 exercises that means you have 20 numbers if you don't have a number for something you're training i i wouldn't i personally like i can't do it i can't psych myself up to train something that i can't precisely measure otherwise i'm just not interested because i know it's not that's where i've wasted time in the past on things i can't measure yeah i think sometimes they can fit in for preparation you know like i like the reverse Definitely. for example is like you you i guess it was memorable uh, measurable for you at your facility but like i think sometimes other movements can have somewhat of a place like you're probably a bit of an exception with that band like if you look at ito's stuff as like the other end of the extreme i guess it, rather than numbers there it's like positions measurable. So can you do yeah. this position can you do that position yeah. so i guess it's still the same in the end exactly exactly very measurable exactly but, but yeah. Yeah, I love this. Same like so, like shoulder, that, that good old 10% of body weight for 10 reps on the dumbbell external rotation. I mean, it's so simple, yet so many people with shoulder pain can't do that test. And then so many people get to where they can and then don't have shoulder pain. So that's kind of that's kind of what I mean is that, you know, in, I throw in a terms different... of a new, yeah, in terms of a new breed of coach, we also should know our, these are not absolute numbers, but you put them together and they really do, they really do mean something because we're talking about numbers according to physics. Like this is the physics of like what your shoulder can handle and stuff like that. So yeah, an ATT coach should be able to demonstrate that this is a big point. So like yeah. if I'm an ATG coach, one reason you get a life changing result is you take an athlete who can't do a Nordic and you say, here's how to do a Nordic. Let me show you. I was training. Well, anyways, I shouldn't, it's tricky with what athletes names I say, but I've trained one of the, most i've trained one of the richest athletes of all time a baseball player and he can do nordics but his team's trainers tell him not to do nordics they say it's too extreme so they say a nordic is too extreme but he can do them and he's made a living on his speed and his trainers cannot do them so this is where we have this is where we go backwards when someone pretends they know something that they don't and discourages others from ability. Any any coach discouraging others from ability, I find, what are you going to get? You get what you put your energy on. They get less ability for people. 
more ACL tears, less speed, less jumping, failed dreams, shitty rest of your life, knee replacement. So yeah, that's why I get passionate about it because I was, I had coaches who limited my ability. So that's just my point is an ATG coach is not going to say you shouldn't do a Nordic because the ATG coach actually can. The ATG coach will, you know, anyways, we should, we should know our numbers. We should be able to demonstrate to our clients with our own bodies. And to me, the, the reason why coaches come up with this sort of stuff is because they, I, I think it's because they don't understand enough of the principles. So that's one of the other points here, like know your principles. In my mind, it's all just a progression of tension. And if you're progressively able to deal with more tension, then whatever's less than that is not going to be an injury risk. It's not going to create a lot of soreness. And the same thing with tension, there's that neurological factor as well of like how much work can you get done before your brain starts to really get tired and, and you can't you know, output anymore. Um, that neurological kind of approach is, is, you know, um, is also valid and important. So if you progress those two things, then there's nothing that isn't safe. It's just a question of like, is that level of tension like right at the limit of the amount of tension that you can handle before you start to get pain? Is it beyond that? Or is it, you know, halfway towards that? And if the coach understands, well, look, this guy's doing Nordics like they're nothing. He says he doesn't even get sore after them. Or you use the Martin St. Louis version that, and you make him not go so fast out of the bottom. Like there's so many little tweaks you can make on it where it's a concentric only movement. And if you don't have a massive impulse from the bottom, then you're not going to have that huge tendon, you know, yank in the bottom position. Like there's all sorts of ways that you can play with that movement. If you just understand the finer details of what is involved and yeah, maybe you don't use like dense eccentrics, you know, because Nordic you know, at a once, time. Nordic once. So every Nordic post I make, can I do those every day? Can I do those three times a week? Once a week. I'm finally listening to you on that. And I had my best Nordic 12, day on Monday. 12 weeks of just fighting the way down while doing 12 weeks of short range knee flexion, like leg curls, while doing 12 weeks of something to lengthen and strengthen behind the knee, like slant board Jefferson curl. That's just an example. A coach should, an ATG coach should be able to demonstrate. So check this out, this, this defines it better. An ATG coach should be able to demonstrate a Nordic, but should be able to get his client, no matter how bad that client is, having fun with Nordics because you're just as wrong if you force them into something they can't do. That's an ATG coach. The scaling, knowing the most confident coaches I see now are these ATG coaches. We feel so confident because we know like, like this Sunday, I'm going to be working with this 14 year old kid whose dad had six knee surgeries. His, this kid's knees are probably going to be pretty rough, right? A gangly 14 year old kid but I already know with the VMO squat that I'm going to start him assisted. I'm going to put two chairs next to him. He's going to hold the high end of those chairs and I'm going to have him do like a hundred motherfucking reps because guess what? Around rep 15, he's going to be like, holy shit, my knees feel good. I'm going to flip those chairs around and he's going to have his hands on the base of those chairs now level two. And he's going to keep going. And then he's going to be like, you know what? I think I could do this without the chairs. And he's going to take his hands off and he probably will have done the first deep squat he's done in years without pain with full range of motion strength and and just changed his life in that moment i i won't change his life by making him hold 25 percent of his body weight behind his back and stand on the slant board and try to squat because he would be in excruciating pain but 
I can show him that and show him this is why basketball is easy for my knees. Now, let's get you better today. And I'm going to change his life. So it's, it's the scalable nature of every single exercise. And I'm only as right as, as, a, as a leader and a guide. I'm only as right as I'm helping people on that scalable nature. So the ATG principles are so simple that it's easy to look at them and go, yeah, I kind of know all that. But are you really applying what Ben just said, like high reps to low reps? Like just start with really high reps. Like pretty much anyone can get to the point where they're like in pain slash pumped slash whatever. If you just scale the intensity back and go high enough on the reps, like that, that is a principle that we work, you know, that we use. And you can see that, oh, okay, this kid, like he needs uh, maximal strength. He needs power. He's a basketball player, you know, functional hypertrophy, no high reps because we're not trying to put mass on him. Plus he's a kid. So we're not going to train him for hypertrophy. So we won't train high reps. And then, and then you fail. And then you, you know, you cause the kid more trouble and you reinforce what is already wrong with him rather than using the ATG principle, high reps to, to low reps, like start with, start with high reps, um, start with slow, you know, slow to fast. Like these are simple principles, like do the slower stuff, like the squats before you go do the, the mass side jumps, like slow to fast. It's, it's too simple. It's easy to overlook, but it's, it's, it's truth that, you know, I did, I definitely didn't, I didn't have this stuff, Ben. Like I used the counter movement jump. My team's won, but I didn't know how to deal with like all the niggles and the little bits and pieces. Like I, I don't know a single team that is using the numbers like this. And I'm, I'm speaking to Premier League soccer teams and NRL teams. Like I'm speaking to their coaches and, you know, this is where it needs to go. It's not there yet. Like from what I can see, teams invest massive money in getting numbers and data to predict things, to predict injuries and predict this and that. But if they don't have the right movements to, to get the right numbers, then it doesn't matter how complex the software is and crunching the numbers. It's, yep. it's the wrong data going in. So you can yep. never have the right output. And that's, that's the problem we have, I think. One, 100%. A 100 rep BMO squat would be better for a basketball player who's, you know, got long limbs, chronic knee pain than any fancy method, you know? So, but there's no, there is no study on a full slam board squat. So what I'm saying is when I say, here's all the things that gave me the greatest, you know, basketball knee transformation ever. And there's not a single study on anything that I'm talking about. So, so I, I'm not, I'm not against the idea of stud. Like I'm not against the idea of it in principle. I'm just against what's occurred from academia. And I didn't get to any of my conclusions from academia. So it's just like, it, it's just like, it's not going to be part of my life. You know, like, it's just not where I'm, someone else can, can do that. But for me, it just kind of makes me nauseous to think about how many people are out there suffering, going through all these complexities thinking that more complication and fanciness and tracking and like all like, like these fancy things. And yet they're not, like you said, they're not even operating on the right data. I think I'm going to rewrite the ATG principles because I think the 10 ATG principles is what a coach should know. I think for an in individual, maybe it's just got to be like one principle to get them to understand because you're right. Those 10 principles, they explain everything we do. But I think for the average person, I think, I think this idea of every, I think that, I think it's something along the lines of this. 
we ability is what protects us ability is what makes life good ability is what makes us athletic every human ability an ACG coach should be able to scale for the person so they can win with it and enjoy it and not be in pain and make gains I feel like that's like I feel like I need to write an article for for individuals who like don't even know what ATG is yet. I think that sums up what we do. I see things every day. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. And I'm just saying every human ability should scale to something that you can, that you can actually get more bulletproof work at your level. Anyways, that, this is why I like these podcasts, because it's not like we had it all scripted out. You know, we, we get to things that maybe we hadn't quite thought of before. And I, I think that one concept of the, of like the measurable scalability to actually enjoy the process of confronting your weak links. I think that's what we do. That's never quite been done like this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I got, a, I got a couple more points here written down that I was thinking about before, but the, the second point I had after live it was big rocks. So there's so many courses that you can do now as a coach, you can learn about, you know, how to squeeze ears and how to, um, you know, balance all these different things and different, different techniques. There's so much that a coach could look at, like to be a lower back specialist and to be a foot specialist to be a this and that and the other. And a lot of it is, is cool and it has some merit and it has its place. My advice to the new breed of coaches is focus on the big rocks. So what are the big rocks? Where do you need to make sure you're doing, if I'm doing this right, then there's a pretty good chance I'm going to get results that other people can't get. And therefore I get to continue as a coach. And you know, that's my next point is you have to make money. Number three is make some money because if you're not making enough money, then you end up going to do something else as a profession. And I know like some people don't like to hear that sort of stuff. And, and some people are more money motivated than others, but if you're in abundance, then it's a lot easier to pursue your education, to feel good about turning up to work each day, to be creative. If you're struggling to pay the bills and put fuel in your car and whatnot, like that's not a position to coach from. I believe that coaches are more important than uh, a lot of other professions that are much better paid. Like how, how important is it to be physically great in your body? Like to, to be in a position of, of vitality and feeling like you're amazing is, is like one of the most important things that you could have. And therefore it should be one of the highest prized uh, professions, but that's not the way, you know, our society is structured. So we have to take that upon ourselves to put ourselves in a strong position and like it or not, people in society are going to, they're going to know if you're making money, if you're serious about what you're doing, if you're charging $10 an hour, it's going to be very difficult for you to like, I know Ben charged $10 an hour or he's working for $10 an hour because you were serving so many people and the way you had your business structured and the amount of that's hours how I that you started, doing. you know, yeah, yeah. that's how I started in my mid twenties. I think it's a great spot to finish the podcast on would yeah. be to give coaches a little bit of, of guidance on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say, I would say step one. Yeah. It's like, become a life-changing coach and yeah. and money will not be a problem um, yeah even don't focus on start... click funnels don't focus on instagram courses you know people are like getting massively distracted by this stuff people are experienced enough now that they know if you know or not they've been to f45 they've been to crossfit they've had eight personal trainers before they came to you they know whether you're whether you know what you're doing or you don't. And that's why when you live it, you have a body that they want. You can do stuff that they want to be able to do. 
you know the big rocks, you have the principles in place, they're happy to give you their money because they feel like it's going to be a, a strong exchange. Like the exchange needs to be in their favor. That's a principle of business, right? The exchange is in their favor so much with ATG online that people are, are, are jumping in. Like it's it's like, there's never been so much value. If you had Charles Poliquin coach you, I, I never had him actually write your program, but it would have been thousands of thousands of dollars and it would have been a fraction of the service that they get for $50 a month. Like that's, that's the truth of it. Like I loved Charles and it was amazing what he did, but the, the value stack needs to be in the favor of the other person. And that's what people don't focus on. They focus on how do I get the money rather than how do I provide a service that goes way beyond what this person could have expected for their 50 bucks or whatever it is. Yep. Become a life-changing coach. Results, results, results. Meaning like as you're becoming a life-changing coach, train, train, train. You know, I, I think the, these are, this is kind of where I want to leave it. So someone wants to be a coach to me what an atg coach means is that number one you become a life-changing coach be it you know what i mean be it become a life-changing coach but you got to get in reps you got to train mad amounts of people and create success story after success story after freak athlete or whatever whether it's knees just create success success for me it was like knees and jumping so by the time someone even was a prospective client it's like they would see the people I was training. Oh, these people are jumping higher, fixing knee problems. You know, so it, it wasn't even, you don't have to worry about the sales. Um, believe it or not, I haven't, my Instagram account has more than doubled since the last time I paid a penny on marketing. Many people probably assume I still pay, pay money on marketing. I went from 200 to now 480 something thousand, 490,000 Instagram followers with zero ad money. My ad money wasn't really doing much because that's, that's not actually what was getting people to sign up becoming a life-changing coach and getting results. I don't think you even need to spend money on marketing as a coach. That's my personal opinion. So I set this challenge for myself. Hold on a second. It, it was just something that everyone did. Like everyone, once you have a growing business, whatever, and you, you see the ads for online pro. So I assumed that was something until I realized, hold on, I don't even need to do that. I can grow just off my own, you know, becoming a life-changing coach and getting results. So, I have more than doubled there. Over 300,000 subscribers on YouTube without ever putting an advertisement on YouTube. Same with TikTok, over 300,000. I've never put an ad there. The point is, you don't need to, to make ads. If you want to guarantee yourself success, you do need to become a life-changing coach. You have to get results. Now, from there, there's a lot of options. Teams these days pay very well. So I've actually lived all these options. I've been a team strength coach and had a bunch of offers to be a team strength coach, even when I was coming up and like people hadn't really heard about me because the results I was getting with teams were so good. So teams will pay well, having your own gym, you'll want to get a, a mentor who's had their own gym just so you can navigate that. But the point is that I was having to turn business away when I had a gym. So for me, having a gym, my biggest problem is how many people wanted to train at the gym. It didn't really matter how much I charged. That, that just as many people. So as I became more of a life-changing coach and got more results, I charged more and it, it didn't matter. Just more people wanted to train. It became very tough. You, you pretty much had to be like a pro athlete to be allowed. Like if you were a new person, you pretty much had to be like a pro or a successful college athlete to even, you know, like that's crazy. Like in terms of the demand. And then you could just be a private, private, being like a private one-on-one -on -one trainer as we went over that might be 
something to explore as well, because you can in, in one session and then monitoring your client, you could charge a much higher price. You're saving them money, but now you could work with a lot of different clients rather than just being also one thing I forgot to mention earlier is I think it's kind of like a tier level. So I think like, if you're like a pro athlete, I think you should have like, like your coach and we're good. We're like, we're like in our, this is our, this is my final closing statement. So yeah, I, I think a pro athlete should have a personal coach because it's like, why not? You know, it's such an investment below that someone who is more affluent or has some, you know, sponsorship or something. I think it should be like once, once a week, you know, uh, once a week, once a month, somewhere in there. And then if you're even the brokest dude, do like I did. I had flyers at my gym that I would wash people's cars while they were working out. I would mow lawns. I would do, and I would, so what I would do is I would save up and then I would go hire this person for a session, save up, hire that person for a set, you know, do this. So, and so in that case, just do it on a case by case basis, save up until you can hire a coach for a session, save up. You know, the point is that one coach now could really be helping a ton of people on a ton of different levels, opening up a lot of opportunities. So I think compared to just being a normal personal trainer, if we take a hundred personal trainers, I feel like the person be following this route and becoming a life-changing coach and mastering a system that they could teach in as little as a session is going to be in, in the 1% of earners, you know, and they're going to have demands. They're going to have demands from pro teams as well who pay well. So that's kind of my last bit for coaches is like, take it in that order, become a life-changing coach, get results. And then you have a lot of options on your hands. So what's your, I know we're somewhere around that one hour, one hour yeah. mark. Give me, give me, give me one minute of in, in closing sure. here. Um, my, my, my principle there would be the, like if we had one principle it would be like develop the pain-free numbers, you know, develop yeah. the pain-free numbers. Like if you just develop the pain-free numbers, I think the numbers will follow you in terms of the the finances, like results Beautiful. is is clear, but it's kind of abstract as well. Like what, what are these results? And maybe we could talk also about, you know, within these big rocks, you want to also get body composition, right? Um, that's probably something that we haven't touched on at all, but it's, it's one of those big rocks that go together with these, these pain-free numbers. But I mean, if, if, if that was the one principle and the one kind of thing of like, don't go and do all this fancy stuff before you get this stuff right. Because if you don't have the pain-free numbers, none of the other fancy stuff is going to give you what you want. Like you're not. That gonna... might have to be the title of this podcast, develop the pain-free numbers. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's my, that's my big boom. Develop, <laughs> develop the pain-free numbers. That says it all right there. Numbers, not Can a we... few tech. Pain-free, develop the pain-free yeah. numbers. Yeah. And the final, final thought is you have to, like, I've gone exponential. I haven't paid any money to Facebook since 2017. I've had exponential progress since we've been in contact consistently. And I don't know any coaches who don't have really positive networks around them that go exponential. Like, it's just, you don't get those exponential gains without having teammates and mentors. You know, you're a mentor to me in a lot of ways. You know, you challenge me all the time. Like, we challenge, you know, we challenge each other. And that's such a healthy thing. And so many coaches are trying to do it on their own. And it's just like, you're not going to have anywhere near as much fun and the chances of being successful. Like it's tough to be on Instagram on your own. If no one, if you don't have any buddies that, you know, kind of support you, like it's not a nice place to be. And I think a lot of people are feeling that like, whether it's with ATG for coaches, like obviously this sounds like it could be an ad, but 
whatever way you find it, like don't come to us if this doesn't resonate with you, but find some guys that you can consistently go to and find, you know, find that mentor type person, you know, Charles made a huge impact on, on both of us. And, and there's other guys in the picture there, but find those teammates and mentors as well uh, is, is, is such an important part of, you know, that new breed um, and, and sort of just having success as a coach. I want to see coaches be super successful because so many guys leave because they can't make any money. They can't get results they, and they don't know, you know, they don't know what's going on. It's tough as a new coach. Like I, I've been there as well. Like that's, that's why we're doing these podcasts. And, you know, we want to see, we want to see coaches super successful. I, and I know within that, and we, we're covering this weekend, you know, Graham Tuttle's talking about the last five clients that he's come into, have had come into his gym. They already know ATG. They come in and they've already been doing zero and they just like train me. Like, this is what I've been doing. And they hit the ground running and they progress like wildfire that's he's, he's getting people just literally knocking on his door saying yep i do atg atg like let's go and uh you know that's that's what you know i want to see him doing seven figures and i want to see it like coaches around the world you know um taking it to another level so if you develop the pain-free numbers you're just gonna win and you're gonna have clients and you're gonna grow as a coach if you have that power to develop people's pain-free numbers pain-free measurability you know all right good, good. one thanks Can't so wait much. for next week we'll grind out more data thanks to Looking anyone crazy to enough. thanks for thanks the chance to anyone crazy enough to listen see you